Hey everyone, thank you for joining the Pastor Resources Podcast. Hope you enjoy the reading of our latest article. The trash can was full of CDs, and I was convinced it was for the best. It was a small act, really, but one that was significant to this music-loving gal. A year or so after I became a Christian at 23, I had thrown all of my CDs in the trash. I would have a fresh start and begin a new collection, one filled with only Christian music. After all, I was motivated by my love for and devotion to God. Having made my decision, I made sure others knew about my brave act of obedience so I would receive their approval. The specifics of the trashed collection are forgotten now. I just know that it felt more holy to throw them all away than to keep them. But was that action really motivated by a love for Jesus? No, I was more concerned about looking Christian than I was about being motivated by the gospel. A music clean-out could certainly be a wise and God-honoring decision, but the motivation for such an action is vitally important. A friend once told me about a man who gave up baseball, and then he became legalistically affixed on the idea that baseball was wrong, even to the point that he became angry when someone invited him to a game. I guess we all have our things, things we believe will make God pleased with us. Let's step back and recognize that the right motivations are essential for living consistently. That is, with our actions in step with our beliefs. When actions flow out of the heart, that's motivated by the right reasons. We experience joy and freedom and gratitude and peace. This is possible only if our motives are rooted in Christ. It's also hard, but incredibly freeing. I had been motivated to look Christian, so throwing away all that music felt like the right decision to make like what a good Christian ought to do. But my motivation didn't come out of a desire to guard against the temptation to indulge in the world that music wasn't leading me to think sinful thoughts. So instead of joy, freedom, and gratitude and peace, huh, I found guilt and dissatisfaction because of the desire to please others I lacked the peace of knowing I was secure and loved by Christ. Anytime we discuss running our race with endurance, it's good to make sure we're thinking rightly about our obedience and Jesus' obedience on our behalf. Jesus endured for the joy set before him. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, his endurance was focused on joy. Thankfully, we have a Savior who relates to our suffering. 
Jesus is aware and acquainted with our grief and our humanity. He is acquainted with my grief and yours. The God-man endures trials and temptations, but remained without sin, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. He was abandoned by his friends. He was a man of sorrows. He endured to the bitter end because he, too, was in a race. He was on a mission, the redemption of the world. The joy set before him was that he would be seated at the right hand of the Father. Death was defeated, so Jesus knows what it's like to endure. He also understands what you experienced yesterday and what you will experience today and what you'll experience tomorrow. On his way to the cross, Jesus sat and prayed to his Father, asking that if it was God's will that the cup of wrath would would be taken away. Yet Jesus willingly drank that cup, and he hung on that cross. And in his final moments on the cross, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mark chapter 15 verse 34 says, His painful suffering was for a purpose, the redemption of the world. He endured great pain, pain I can only imagine, pain and wrath on my behalf. But he knew the end, and his endurance through pain and mocking, a death fit for a criminal, not a savior, was all because he was fulfilling a plan formed before the foundation of the world. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 1. As Christians, you and I want God's truth to inform how we think and how we live. We pray for the alignment of what is true and and what we believe and what we think and how we act. As we seek to live this out, we fight an important battle for the right motivations, and we resist wrong motivations. It's easy for our motivations to shift, so it's essential to root ourselves in the truth of the gospel continually. Christ sought you and me out while we were still sinners, and he humbled himself to take the punishment we deserve in order to give us new life to the glory of God. Jesus defeated death and promises to finish the work that he began in us. This truth is the foundation of right motivations. Your heart motivations matter because our God isn't fooled by outward appearances and actions. Running with the wrong motivations also leave us depleted and wanting to give up 
this race. He desires our obedience both externally and internally, in actions and in thoughts. This is why Jesus warned the Pharisees that to look beautiful on the outside meant nothing if inside we were full of death, uncleanness, and impurity. Matthew chapter 23, verse 27. There's freedom, joy, and praise to our God in living with the right motivations. As we look into our motivations, we live a difficult tension as Christians. We are saved by grace, and and we are compelled to put off the old self and walk in a way worthy of our calling. What I was struggling with regarding CDs was a name, legalism. As its most basic, legalism is trying to save oneself. It's trying to do the right things without believing that God justifies us by faith alone. It's trying to obey God's help without His power and without His grace. Although legalism can look like trusting in God because of good works, it's actually a form of unbelief because we're not resting in faith in the finished work of Jesus. When we're motivated to work hard for God in order to earn His favor, we aren't operating with faith or trust. Instead, we're trying to add to his already finished work in Jesus on the cross. We're living as though his work isn't enough, so we must strive to make him happy, as though our acceptance by God depends on our efforts. Because we're justified through faith alone as a gift from God, you and I are freed from attempting to earn God's love and favor. Our salvation isn't and never will be a result of our work. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. There is nothing we could ever do to earn God's saving favor. No amount of sacrifice could earn us anything more. If you are in Christ, you have his favor forever. My temptation into legalism was motivated by selfish ambition. I was taking my works and showing them off to God. Look, God, I threw out all of my CDs for you. <laughs> this thought seems ridiculous now that it's written out. That's why Ephesians chapter 2, verse 9 is so important. Salvation is not a result of works so that no one may boast. We don't finish the race and then boast in ourselves. That's what makes salvation a gift. It's free. It's unearned by us. 
So salvation isn't ultimately about you and me, but about God. God does the work, and he receives the glory. A legalist wants to do the work, earn the favor, and get the glory. It's probably apparent already that this isn't a good motivation because it skews and taints by sin. Instead of pursuing good things out of the joy and knowledge of the firm standing and identity I have in Christ, my motivation was marked by security and and selfishness and misguided guilt and doubt. We want to watch that our running toward Jesus isn't more about us and less about him. I got this good advice from a pastor. If you are struggling with legalism, don't fight it by quitting your Bible reading today. In other words, if you aren't living out of the right motivations, there can be a temptation to jettison good things, such as Bible reading or acts of love or evangelism, But we think they are part of the problem. Examining our motives is a good thing. We need to be mindful about what's behind our actions. But in this process, it's easy for confusion to set in. In the midst of this confusion, look what has been revealed to us through God's Word. God has given us all we need for godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Our obedience to God comes out of our love for Him. John chapter 14, verse 15. If we struggle with legalism, Somewhere in our pursuit of godliness, we forget that only by God's grace can we live for him. God is the one who has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. In turn, his love motivates us, and it is the fuel that we need. This is taken from Sacred Endurance by Torilla Nubel, copyright 2019 by Torilla Nubel, publishing by InterVarsity Press, Downers Grove, Illinois, www.ivpress.com. Thanks again for listening to the Pastor Resources Podcast. To read all of our articles, head over to pastorresources.com and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for more articles and special interviews.